Anything to shake this but I'm in But got me drinking Back at it again with another episode of the Shades of Blue Soccer Show. My name is Cody Bradley, Thad Bell, Robert Russert, David Greenwald are all here on a, via StreamYard. We're testing out our new video stuff today, so video stuff is coming. This episode is brought to you by Garber Bucks. Are you constantly running into that pesky salary cap? Garber Bucks are your reliable funding source, even if we have to change the rules mid-season. Tam, jam, none of it matters. Garber Bucks, your designated investment opportunity. Is it jam or is it gam? Gam. <laughs> That's fair. Are we finding on the advertising? Are we going to lose gym. sponsors? Let's get that straightened out while we're here. That's fair because I... I hold strong to what gif is and that's why I, I held strong there but i do think that that's it's tam and jam i've always said jam you're calling me out for messing up an ad read i normally do the ad reads very well apologies I'm, to garber bucks our sponsor today sorry i'm also trying to distract from just another brutal performance from the club yeah we're not excited about talking about it but i do there is actual like there's there's reason to talk about the game itself last night i think but uh, we are going to get into the the show is is Vermis out curious. We're officially Vermis out curious. I, I think David is a little beyond that. Robert is on the fence here, so we're going to get into all of that. But I do want to talk about the game. Red card. Uh, the we're now even. There was a seven minute span where we had scored more goals than we had red cards. We were not allowed to uh, carry that on for very long. The soccer gods are picking on us is what it feels like a little bit. Um, David, tell us what you thought of the first half. How about that of, of sporting um, KC? What's worse than bad? <laughs> I, I, I do have a pretty decent vocabulary, uh, but I'm not a thesaurus. I'm trying to find the exact word for like, we may need to make one a hundred times worse than bad. Yes, it was bad. This it, it's the same performance we've seen all season long, which is disjointed in the midfield, disjointed at the back, slow on the attacks, slow on the offense, taking just terrible chances. You know, Remy blasting balls from way outside the box. Um, Tommy, that one, that Polito one slowing attacks down. It was just bad. It was bad everywhere. The the goal, oddly, when the goal happened, I f there was something telling me, you know, two to nothing, the most dangerous lead in sports. Oddly, in the darkest days of our hour, I felt like we might get something out of that. And it was oddly just such a beautiful goal. So simple, so simple, so well taken. Jog back and let's do it again. It looked like we'd, we'd been scoring like that all year long. And it was on a set piece. Robert, we scored on a set piece. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. But yeah, you're right. It looks so simple. Like, come on, guys. What's why is this difficult? <laughs> well, and it's because the set piece is the great equalizer. And there's nothing in the attack. And I know I've been seemingly the only one of us that wants to the pick on the guy, and I don't ever like doing that. But when your attacking midfielder can't do anything, seemingly then that's going to impact every ounce of the attack that you have. That's where everything should come from. Where other teams have their best player on the team, someone pushing the league forward, we have a guy that is just actively hurting us at, at every corner. Thad. Say his name. Say his name. Oh, I did not even say yet. Eric Tommy. 
I it sucks, man. I I don't know how he did so well to finish out last season in his he he was just thrown into the ring of fire very quickly and did so well and even started this season doing so well. But man, there we we Gotti Kinda cannot come back soon enough. I thought he was slightly better yesterday than he had been, although some passes were very not connecting with others. But you want to know what the turning point was? The PK. When Willie, his PK was stopped and Tommy stepped up to take it and his was stopped. Mm, That's a good point. Uh, He has been on a downhill ever since. That's uh, And actually, I'm not going to take credit for that. That was pointed out to me by somebody else, but I... Don't think I should probably mention their name. But since then, it's it's the yips. We're at the point it's the yips. Whatever the soccer version of that is, he's snake bitten and the Halises. <laughs> wow, Halisey. Wow, throwback. Put put a pen in Connor Halisey because when we get to a later segment in the show about why I want Vermees to go, Connor Halisey is going to play a beautiful role in that. Okay. Uh, and and David, you were asking earlier for a, a term that's worse than bad. Uh, one that I like is lugubrious. Ooh, very good word. Mournful, dismal, uh, dramatic, and lugubrious. Bad. So I think you're reading off of a screen, so I'm not going to ask you to spell it, but I was going to offer you money if you could spell it <laughs> without the aid of a computer or phone. You're accusing Thad of whipping out a nice vocabulary because because he's just reading them off a screen here. There, if I just you typed it in. His eyes were on video. I watched his eyes move. I just typed it in for you. <laughs> and it sounds like a word you should spit after you say it because, you know, that just kind of fits. Just to hammer it home a little bit. <laughs> yeah. So I think we found the title for the pod, though. Lugubrious. We might, have, we might have done that one actually already. Thad likes it. I think we, we did because I, I called the defense <laughs> lugubrious last year at one point. <laughs> okay. So Sad, the, slow, there, dismal. There were adjustments. I don't know if anyone actually stayed to watch the end of that game. I am a glutton for punishment, so I did. And there were there were two goals there. The, the, they had an opportunity to level the match and even and even score a winner. And I don't understand how it's possible. Um, a lot of you know, he can Vermees kind of conceded when you take out Polito, at least seemingly. But somewhere there were some tactics there that kept Sporting Kansas City in the game. Thad. Yeah, it was called the other team sitting back. <laughs> I, I do agree that there was uh, some added incentive because you, you see that before when teams go down a man, they actually play better for a while. And I think they were playing better for a while, but it was, was a part of it is that the other team had the lead and they didn't try as hard. Sorry, you guys all froze on me, so I don't know if that was me. So Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's, that's internet, internet is lugubrious. It's very lugubrious today. Should we talk about Fonty? We should talk about Fonty. All right. We lost Thad. I would, I would love to hear Thad's thoughts. But, Robert, I want to talk about Fontis's yellow to start. Did you think that that was a yellow card? You know what? I did not focus too much on the first yellow. I was very focused on the second situation, the Rosero foul. Uh, so I'm not really going to be much of a help on that one. Cody, what about you? Did you think that Fontis's first card deserved one? No, I did not at all. It's absolutely a foul. It is. But it seemed awfully soft to be like a yellow. He wasn't in an attacking position. 
He wasn't, you know, doing anything particularly dangerous. Fontas didn't have, it like, was, you it, know, it, was there, this, it wasn't it wasn't persistent infringement. It was the scenario, for sure. They, it, it was the fact that there wasn't, he had all the space in front of him. There might not have been another guy back. And, I mean, yeah, it was it was at midfield, but he had all day to run, and I think that that's where the, the referee got that one. Well, but so then, you know, he, he gets booked. Robert, what are your thoughts on that? Second yellow, rescinded yellow, straight red. Dog so? Well, I mean, again, you've got to look at the Rosero situation. Uh, we didn't get a great picture of it, but what you can see is, and Rosero was pulling on his jersey to exhibit to the referee what had happened. You can't clearly see that from the video, but if that's a foul, then nothing else matters. But as far as uh, the foul on Fontes that they called, yeah, I mean, I think he slightly got the ball, but then he takes out the player, and we talked about that last week. You know, that's that's still a foul, you know, whether you're in the box or outside the box. Um, you know, I would say a second yellow more than a straight red. It's possible Rosero could have recovered to, uh, you know, conflict with the attacker at the time, but um, it doesn't really matter because a Rosero foul, I believe, should have been called. It should have been called. Yeah, there's. I don't, I don't even know why we. I don't even think we should be harping on about that one. It did feel it just the circumstances. It feels like the soccer gods are picking on us. Well, but so I do want to go in on that though, because okay, maybe Rosario Rosero was fouled, maybe he wasn't, but it's such bad soccer IQ and such bad defending. You know, the the ball, the most dangerous part of the field is at the, like through the middle right through the middle of the box the ball for new england at this point is out closer to the wing than to the middle of the box there's nobody else joining the the striker and the attack right so he's 1v1 and there's nobody else there no other defenders no other um no other attackers so even if you don't make a challenge on the ball you can shade him down the line you can shade him to like a less dangerous position you just don't let him cut towards the middle it allows your it allows Rosero to recover and get back into the play. You can get numbers back behind the ball. There's just no need to make a challenge there necessarily. Felipe Hernandez. Is he an upgrade over Roger Espinoza? Offensively, yes. No doubt. They're largely the same player. Like the underlying metrics for both of them are pretty similar. Um the difference being that Felipe could run for 90 minutes and Roger needs an oxygen tank on the sideline. Now, I'm not so sure about that last part, David, to be honest with you. Uh, there was a situation um, where Hernandez could have back, gotten back defensively uh, during middle of the second half. And uh, basically, he thinks about running. He increases his pace at one point, but then he just looks like he can't even make the run and just lets the runner go through. Um, so, I mean, there's a situation there where, yeah, he's not hustling back and he's, he's not showing his fitness there. I don't know if that's a lack of attitude, uh, or he's just giving up or what it is, but, uh, certainly not a good situation there for him. Cody, you've been notoriously not pro Felipe. Where do you, but, but you've waffled a little bit. You've, you've come slightly back on the, you've been Felipe curious. Where are you today? I don't know that I really did ever come back around. Once I decided <laughs> that uh, he wasn't going to become what we wanted him to become, 
I don't think I've ever wavered on that one. And th this last game just made me feel like I'm almost over every single one on the roster, maybe short of Polito. <laughs> and even maybe even Danny Rosero. I don't know what the hell that one play was where he passed it back to the keeper. <laughs> that was inexcusable. It was horrible. But uh, I'll give him one mistake. Even he, even he had to succumb to what Sporting Kansas City is right now. Just a He's little bit. He's got a few of those little things, <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I'm at the point where I don't know what his contract situation is. I guess because he was homegrown and uh, he, he might be under our control, so it might be worth it to keep him. But could he have the career that Roger Espinoza has had in MLS and, and flirt with European football? I, I don't think so. And we were talking to Whittingham about the lack of homegrowns and the lack of firepower in the youth system. And so, yeah, I'm just, I'm here for a, a whole restart. I have no diehard affiliation to any of these guys anymore. So Cody, for some context, Capology has Felipe at 85,000 a year. Capology. That's a new one for me. Uh, useful site. Pretty cool. But they've got um, Felipe making 85,444 a year. And for that money, like I'm, I'm fine with it, right? He's a, he's a squad player. Yeah. He's he's not going to go to Europe. You're right. Like he's not going to go play in the Premier League. Um, but for 85 grand, he's a capable squad player. I think part of the issue though is, you know, we're expecting him. We're talking about his ability to replace Roger. He's replacing Roger now, not replacing the Roger that you know was in the club's DNA when we when we you know had the the identity change. And that's a Roger from a different era of MLS, you know, depending on who you ask. We're in 3.0, 4.0, whatever you want to call it. Roger was like a 2.0 player. You know, guys like him just, they're not making, they're not in the league anymore either. Felipe is capable, but I think a lot of MLS teams are going to have a second midfielder in that spot that is going to have, that is going to be a bit better than that than what I think his ceiling is. Robert, where are you at with Felipe? Well, I think the system is broken. You know, we've talked about that a little bit, but the 4-3-3 has to have certain components working for the system to work. And right now we don't have strong enough wing defensive play. So they shut down tax early with high pressure. There were many examples in this game of them getting right past our first initial pressure after we lost the ball. And then that exposes our midfield because our midfield is not organizing themselves effectively either, which then leaves our center backs exposed. So it's, it's this cycle that uh, the system is just showing our players to be weak in those situations. But the question is, is it the players that are not able to execute the system or is the system not a fit for them? I think those become questions. They're supposed to be because that's the way it's supposed to be designed, but it's not working. But here's the thing, you know, I was re-watching the broadcast this morning, and first of all, it's great to hear Cal on the broadcast again. No no offense to Nate Katie, but Cal, it's just something different. I remember so many great memories of hearing him call our games, but uh, the, the color commentator made a comment about how Bruce Arena this year alone has shifted tactics so much with the Revs, how... They've set up to bunker and counter. They've set up to possess and really attack. Um, and that he just, it, it rotates based on which players are available and who the opponent is. 
And to me, it's not even the 4-3-3 so much as we are not shifting tactics. So often over the last decade, we've heard Peter say like, well, we just needed to kind of double down on what we already had. And we'll see him make some tactical shifts every every so often. But by and large, like we go into the, every game with the exact same game plan, regardless of who we're playing. And I think that ultimately is a mistake. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, that brings us to the Peter Vermees discussion. I don't know who I'm mad at, but I, I feel like we're at the point where it's just, I want him to fire somebody. I'm mad. Fire someone. Show some accountability. Tell us there's a, a players-only meeting. Tell us Johnny Russell called a players-only meeting. Do all, we need something. Do, do all of the things to appease us. Fire someone. I want someone's head. David. Well, it's getting to the point. I was thinking about this last night. I was going to post it on Slack, but then I changed my mind. It's like, you know, I think it needs to go beyond saying something, saying that there was a meeting between the players. And what does that do? Nothing, I mean, but do it. Tell us, tell yeah, us they've I mean, done something's it. Something's got to be done. I mean, owners can come and say, oh, well, we're monitoring the situation and we're worried about it too, blah, blah, blah. You know, get the vote of confidence, whatever. But that doesn't change anything. Something needs to change. And the only way they can change is by changing staff, leadership staff. David, are you fire Vermees? Yes. Hold on. Actually, before we do this, we need the the cause needs to get on the same page here. The 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 they need a hashtag. What's the rallying cry? I see Vermees out. I see fire Vermees. I see sack Vermees. What's the hashtag? David, lead the charge here. What are, what are we what are we using for this? Vermees out. Vermees out. <laughs> see, that feels like that's too European. Is fire? I, th- I feel like fire Vermees is the one that we need to go with. But but it's not just Vermees. It's bliss. It's most of the technical staff. It's, you know, we, we talked about this after our pod last week with Witty, but, you know, I'm sure the medical staff is very good. I'm sure the, the physios, the training staff, the, you know, the trainers, they're all great. I'm sure they're all excellent at their jobs. But at a certain point, you, we've had so many consistent problems where, you know, uh, our DP, Felipe Gutierrez, cartilage injury in his knee, DP Alan Polito, cartilage injury in his knee. DP Gadi Kinda, cartilage injury in his knee. And so we're either not evaluating these players on the front end to say like, hey, perhaps there's a problem. Maybe we shouldn't go through with this signing, which happens, right? There are guys who don't pass their physicals when they come in for a transfer. Or there's something about the pitch or there's something about our training philosophy. There's something wrong. And I, Thad's mentioned before that, you know, those injuries are hard to diagnose, but there's something wrong and so at this point i you know 
clear everything out and get just a new set of eyes on everybody. There is the continued injuries of players on the team does make it seem like there there has to be something there. It it might be a false equivalency. Uh, we might just feel hurt by more injuries because it's our team. So I, I don't know about all of that, but I do know that one one recruiting tactic or angle that they go for is finding players that are in a tough situation with a club and that they can get them out of it easily. And that's often because of an injury or a player has had an injury history and he's, and, and yeah, so I think, I think that was part of the reason with Polito. Um, Vermees even mentioned Agata may have had a lingering thing when they signed him. So I, I do think that that is, that that might be part of it. But that is it crazy to suggest that there's something that this team is doing? Even I know we have this amazing training center and they put all this money. I know that there's professionals, good professionals that are working for this team. They monitor their meals. They do all of this stuff. There's so much money going into it. Is it crazy to think that there's something this team is doing that is adding to these injuries? Looking at it, you would have to think there is, but at the same time, every time that they've had a bad year, in fact, I, I mean, they do it every year, but especially when they have a bad year, is they go through and reevaluate everything, and sometimes they do change people. I don't know what, I don't know what training thing or what you could be doing that would cause the same injury that's undetectable in four different players over eight years, but I, I don't know what that could be. And I don't know if anybody else knows what that could be. So I always hesitate to point towards those particular injuries. You could point more towards some of the the muscle injuries or something like that. That could be more of a a training thing or not being monitored correctly. I would be much more willing to think that that was an issue. Uh, but you would you would have to think there was something. But I just don't know what it would be. And they've had people look at it, and I know some of the people over there, and I have faith that they're good. It's it's almost more about needing like a just a reset of the club culture, right? And and this is partially Vermees's fault, and it's a it's a good problem, which is that he set the bar to a certain expectation. Mm-hmm. And I think we've hit the ceiling of what we can do with the current front office and technical staff. And so clear it all out, use the the club's dna the inherent idea of we want to possess we want to attack we want to play beautiful soccer but it's time to grow it's time to move forward it's time to get the next thing and i think the club needs a a bit of a reset robert fire vermis you know vermis has set the culture like you said um you know he's got his standard values that are good i think part of the issue is is that he uses those values as a guideline to evaluate players and who he should recruit, who he should keep on the roster. You know, you got Zuzi and Espinosa there for a long time for good reason because they uphold those values. But it's not a set in stone guide to constructing your roster. And I think maybe it's been used too much that way. And, you know, I would hate to see Peter go, but you know, where do you make change and where does change most happen? It happens right there on the day to day. I I, bliss out. Yeah, I agree. The meeting new ideas there too, but bliss doesn't affect the day to day, the constant interaction with the players and 
those type of things. Thad. What? What's the actual question? <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> Come on, man. Why, why can you never radio. just support me and do a good radio show with me? <laughs> Thad, buyer Vermees or not? Not yet. Yeah, which if they brings lose us on Tuesday. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that brings us to Tuesday. What a bar for <laughs> Well, I guess Thad, like what's what's the breaking point for you? If they miss Tuesday. the playoffs again, are you is that the breaking point? Tuesday for me. Well, can you Tuesday guys a, imagine what a breaking point? Can you imagine if we if we lose to a non league team? Yeah, that I mean, I can't imagine it. I, I don't think it'll happen, but I mean, I can picture a world in which it happens. You know, in a in a world where everything goes wrong, when nothing goes right, when knees just magically disappear and, and fail, when nobody can do anything right, when the soccer gods are against you in every call, yes, you could lose to well, a that, non-professional team from freaking Tulsa. Well, that seems to be the world we're living in right now. I know. That's why I went that way. So, so like, yes. But okay, that, what so, is what is your breaking point? I mean, sure, if we lose to a to a semi-professional team, like obviously, but if the team misses the playoffs again, yes, is that, that so? You're gonna you're willing to give Peter the whole season? Oh wait 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 no, uh, that is a breaking point. That's okay. one. Okay, I'm, there's, I'm there's to, more I'm than to, one. There okay. doesn't have to be just one spot, right? Sure, I'm just trying so, to clarify. Yes. If if they're gonna miss the playoffs, that's. Because that's the that's the minimum bar for any team in American sports is making playoffs. That's the minimum bar, which is not that hard if you have an even halfway decent team. Uh, another bar for me is if he loses the team, right? Yes. When I say if he loses the locker room, and it will become obvious. Like people will say, oh, those guys are out there not trying hard or playing hard or whatever. I, I think that's BS. I think there's guys out there playing hard. They may be lack of confidence. They may be down, et cetera, but I think a lot of them are still playing hard or most, most, if not all of them are still playing hard. They want to win. They, they don't go out there and say, yes, you know, I don't care anymore. And in fact, sometimes caring too much is the problem, but if he loses the locker room, if he loses the team, if they just don't care anymore, that's, that's an immediate, you have to change right at that moment. Cause any voice at that point is better. Uh, exactly. You know, us taking over the coaching staff would be a better at that point when, and we would obviously not be qualified. So, Exactly. The, losing the locker room is the answer of any question for a coach in any sport, of a fire a coach question. It doesn't matter how good the coach is, what the league or what the team is paying him. If the, if the players are not, if he doesn't have the players, then, then he's got to go. And that's kind of where my barometer has been this season. Like if they're genuinely this bad all season long, then that will have meant he's lost the locker room at some point. If Gotti yeah. Kinda comes back and they genuinely can't do anything in the attack, um, then then yeah, something something will have gone wrong at some point. Well, let me let me ask you this though. So last year after Tommy Nagata come in, we make a big run, right? I think on the form table we were like the second best team in the league for the last like 10, 11 games of the season, something like that, right? Yeah. That's all just dissolved. That's all gone. That right? might have that might have put this club into a hole for the next five years. That that run that they did at the end of last season might have really hurt this team. So, and and we all follow you know the the sport from and other leagues. We all are familiar with the the concept of the new manager bounce. So, the team last year is 
is substantively the same team that we have this year. Plus, we added Polito, and theoretically, we're getting Keen to back. So we know that that team can get results, that this roster should be able to get results, because the only piece we really lost is what? Izzy? Right? Right. So is there not something to the idea of sacking Vermees now, firing Vermees now, to get the new manager bump? Because if, you're, if your theory is that these players are good enough, they're clearly not responding to the tactics and the motivation from the manager. That's fair. Right? Yeah, I mean, if a guy's going to come in, he needs the summer window to start uh, shaping his roster, a new guy, um, and then the offseason to do that, and then to go into next season with some momentum. You, the longer you wait, the less that can happen. Say you do it after a league's cup and, you know, near the end of the summer window, it's tougher for a coach to come in and start shaping his team for next season. So, yeah, but, you know, it's always that damn excuse. Oh, what about these injured players come back? Then we've got a great team. How convinced are we of that still? Well, well you still got to give I, him Gotti, right? Gotti still has to come back and get on the field. We got to see something. Yeah, and I just did the math, folks. We need 10 wins minimum. That's a 10, 6, and 9 record to get 42 points, which is enough in ninth place last year. Are you confident this team can go 10, 6, and 9 right now? No. No. <laughs> or 11, 8, or 6, 10, uh, 12, 10, and 3, or 13, and 12. Those are four scenarios this team has to go to make the playoffs. And I like Gotti, but Gotti is not that guy. This isn't like getting back, you know, like a true like DP, like difference make player. Gotti's a good player. Gotti will make us better, presumably. But this Maybe. isn't like getting back. I mean, maybe they get honey mooked our back. All of a sudden, they're really good. This isn't about, you know, like some of these other like truly game changing number 10s. Carl's heel last night, like if Carl's heel's out, it fundamentally changes who New England is. And when he comes back, they're much, much better. We are better with Gotti, hypothetically, but he's not that player. He's not a challenging to be MVP of the league. And that's if he returns to his former self. Plea doesn't even anywhere near his former self at this point. So what are the odds God he comes back? And that's what I've been saying for the last year is they may not ever come back to be their former selves. Yeah. There was moments of Polito last night that I, he was looking like his former self. Polito's good, man. Their their connecting last night was not great, but I, I just I hate to use the game in New England as a bar because games in New England are always rough for sporting. They playing on the turf, the different bounce, all that stuff. Uh, that's always rough. And going up against a Bruce Arena team, that's always going to be rough. So I don't want to use that as the bar for anything. If we're going to go for bars for like getting rid of Ramiz, it should be the next home game. If they don't come out, they don't win that. That's that's a definite bar there. I don't know. I'm not saying I would be on that one, but that's one that I think people should shoot for. Getting back to Polito for a second, I didn't mention this while we were talking about the game, but the the lack of creativity in the attack or the lack of, lack of anything in the attack, he was at times the only creative player. And we've always liked him. Vermees has liked him because he his willingness to go get involved into the midfield to drop back and get involved. And the problem is every single time, like he, because that's the only source of an attack that we have, 
he would drop back, make a pass, and then he then we don't have our striker in the attack. So it's every chance that we had, it was Roger Espinoza running onto a ball into the box or or someone else that, you know, isn't our ten million dollar striker. So yeah, it, again it does it all comes back to to Eric Tommy for me. And maybe because we were close in that game with Eric Tommy, maybe if Gotti Kinda isn't an MVP caliber player, they can still stick around and at least I just want to enjoy give me some goals, give me something to cheer about the rest of the season. The playoffs, yes, the conversation we just had, the playoffs seem like uh, a far-fetched thought at this point, but give me a run, give me something to cheer about. It's the last two games, I have genuinely lost the fun. A couple podcasts ago, it was like, you know what, I like this team, I like soccer, I, I like finding positives, I enjoy watching this team. The last two games just haven't been fun. I hopped out of my chair for Johnny's goal, that was nice, but I need some fun the rest of the season. And tactic-wise, you know, we did see uh, Russell slip into that midfield, play a little more centrally, which kind of helped with the Polito, you know, not being forward. So shall we play a little bit deeper, too? So those are some adjustments that were made. But then the red card happened, and it just all went to pot from that. So Yeah, Johnny in, in the second half, even after the red card, he was he, he was floating yeah. into the middle like he was right. our, our attacking midfielder at times because right. he might be the only creative person we have. Which left Duke and his speed, you know, on the wing to do some attacking, which, you know, is a good adjustment. Poor Cam Duke playing on the wrong side of the field. Several, several, you know, disconnected passes, bad passes. <laughs> He's uh, not a good passer, that's for sure. <laughs> I, no, here's the thing. Peter Vermees has failed Cam Duke. Well, okay, that's Pete- fair. But again, he's another one that like, how good was he going to be? Who knows? Because he never plays his own fucking position. Eh, um, he's an he's an attacking mid. That kid was built to play the eight slash ten. And how often in like the two hundred minutes a year that he gets does he get to play in his right fucking position? How often does he get to actually start consistently to get minutes to develop? Never. He never does because Vermees wants to train him at like eight other positions but never enough to actually play the position that he's best suited for and never enough to get him a run of games where he can get consistent. You know, he makes a mistake, he gets yanked. Roger makes a mistake, Roger keeps playing. It doesn't matter. It's not a meritocracy. It's not fair. It's tough to be motivated if you're a player like that. If you're Marino's Johnny's and you watch Shallowy go out for eight games and just flounder and do nothing, what motivation is there to keep working hard and training? You're brought in. You're told you're going to be this U22. You're an attacking player. You never play your own fucking position either. We'll play you on the right. We'll play you in the middle. We'll play you everywhere except for the left wing, where it's just where you play. That's a failure on Vermees, the, G- the GM. It's a failure on him as the coach. It's not fair to these guys. Cam ought to be traded to a team that will actually treat him and develop him. And maybe he'll never be a star. He doesn't have to be. He doesn't have to be a best 11 player to be like a good value out of the academy. Because if you're developing kids out of the academy that can be in your squad, it means you're not paying transfer fees. They hit your cap differently. We should be looking. If you have a guy who can just play squad minutes out of your academy, that's a win. But what we've got from Cam is underneath, is below that because we're not utilizing him. Because we we gave him the contract and then said, okay, fuck your development. You're done. And that's a detriment to him. It's not fair to him. Okay, I think we've hit our allotment of f bombs. One more, and I think we get, <laughs> I think we get fined by some government. You can edit all of those out in post, right? 
<laughs> I'm not going to. I could. I'm not going to. <laughs> That's too much damn work. I was inspired by Kavincho. That has Who? that has Vermees failed these younger players or see I get l- let me add in my piece quickly before you answer. I I guess I just we don't we don't see the extended training. That even if we all go to training, it's a 20 minute window that we get to watch where they're like scrimmaging and things like that. We I, I my thought on if they're not playing, it's because they haven't shown enough in practice is is where is where I land. So Thad, where are you? Where do you stand on this? There's a lot of what you use. There's a lot of what both of you say is correct. Okay, I do think that they could have done some better development for damn sure. But they, when they are assigned, they also have an opportunity to be better than the players that they're they want to be in that position. If they're not doing that, you could say, well, that's the fault of whoever signed them. But at the same time, you you somebody is going to be the better player. Somebody's going to get the majority of time. If Cam Duke's not showing it in training that he's the better option at some spot or good enough in training to make you think you're going to win MLS games with them, then you're going to look for other players to be in that spot. He's still a great utility player. Felipe is a great utility player. I think Jake Davis is a great utility player. All those guys, they may not be MLS starters. So if you're not, any player that comes in, if John East doesn't come in and in training, show that he's better than Shallowy, he's not playing in that spot. He's going to play in whatever spot is needed at that moment. Logan and Denbe, he wasn't better than, he wasn't healthy enough to be better than Ben Sweat for a lot of last Thank year. Thank you for changing that. Before. <laughs> <laughs> but, but Thad, isn't like, let's say, oh, let's say that Daniel trains so much better and so much harder than Jonis, right? Let's just say hypothetically that's true because I'm not out there, so I don't know. But let's say hypothetically that's the case. At the end of the day, to steal from Allen Iverson, we're talking about practice, not a game. We're talking about practice. So you can practice as great as you want and as hard as you want. If you can't get the job done during the 90 minutes that you're paid to win, then at what point do you as the coach say, I don't care how hard Daniel trains, He's not scoring goals. He's not getting assists. He's not contributing. Maybe I should try this other guy who may not train as well, but hypothetically, maybe he might get a result because I don't know if you guys watched the end of the game or not, but like the four-minute cameo of Johnny Scott, which again, not super fair to him to come on with four minutes left to make a difference. He looked like he made a difference. He was the he, he and Felipe almost scored a goal. They almost combined to score a goal. So at what point do you say, yeah, Roger trains the way I want because he's been here for 35 years, but he's not getting results, so let's let somebody else get a run of games. To be fair, that was the first time I've seen Janice look productive, so maybe he what, did earn himself an, an, another couple minutes. But what position has Janice played when he comes in? In the last two years, where does Janice play? On the wing. All over the place, right midfield. Right, and what was he signed as when he got signed from Cyprus? He was signed as an attacker. As a left winger. That's where he played in Cyprus. He played as a left wide mid or he played as a left winger. He played both wings in Cyprus, but he was more the left wing. I will agree with you. Just clarifying. He played both sides. So let's recap. You're right, David. At some point, there needs to be a commitment. You've got to commit to the players you've signed in some way or another, and that has not happened. What does that mean, though? Does that mean playing them even if you don't think they're the ones that are going to get you results? 
No, it means finding them a place where they can be most successful. Which may not get you results. But we're not getting results now. That's, yeah. that's, I know, but, yeah. but, but in past years when you can say these guys should have been developing, because if Cam Duke was going to develop more, if Felipe was going to develop more, and you got to remember, Felipe self-harmed himself a half of his season. Sure. Right. That was not the best way to say it, but um, yes. he took himself out of contention for half of a season, which then took another half of a season to get back, at least close to what he was. Uh, he was on track to actually be potentially a starter because he was getting lots of minutes and getting starts before that happened. Uh, but if you go back when Cam Duke wasn't getting as many minutes or some of those other homegrown players, the team was playing well. They were being successful. It so you can point to now, but point to when they should have gotten their real development time, and that was a lot more questionable. I'm not saying you're completely wrong in that. I'm just saying that's a lot more questionable time frame. Yeah, but, I mean, how often are they getting loaned down to the two-team and actually getting run with the two-team? Because that's also very, like, mixed, right? Much, if the much more that, lately. If the idea is that, like, the homegrowns aren't good enough to play for the first team, but they're good enough that they might one day and you send them to a homegrown, homegrown contract, but you want them to develop, then instead of traveling to San Jose in the 18 and sitting on the bench the whole time, put them with the twos and let them start and get some run. Okay, just again, somebody has to sit on the bench just in case there is an injury. So there has to be some player sitting there. So that's why some guys don't go with the two team. And in the last three years, there, there's been a lot more complication with loaning players down because of COVID. So they they like that 2020 2021 was a lot more complicated on how or when they would loan players down bring them back into the first team etc. That was more complicated when again some of those guys would have been developing or having more opportunity to develop. Uh, in the past they would loan guys down and honestly sometimes they would be terrible when they went down there. Uh, I've seen Peter chew players out for having played with the two team and not played well, and then showing up in practice and looking good uh Vermees out flat out chewed out a couple of those guys for okay you want to play now why didn't you play over the weekend when you had your opportunity why weren't you showing then and they didn't see much time anywhere for a little while but again some of those guys have showed up better when they've been loaned down this year they are doing it more cam duke's gotten run out at left back to to see if he could play there and he's not showed bad of course completely different level you know the problem. The problem for Peter is that he's the sporting director and the coach, so he's ha he's got to handle both sides of this. He's either signing players who aren't good enough, or he's not developing the guys that he thinks are good enough. So it's a lose lose for him because he he has both roles. And when you're not getting results, one of the two of them is at fault: either the sporting director or the coach, or both, or both. But didn't the players? show that they were good enough at the end of last season? Good point. What that's, changed? That's where I keep going back and forth. It is the coach's fault if the players are not doing well and we know that they can do better. But it, you know, then I go back and forth on that discussion. Is it? I mean, sometimes there's accountability on, on the players, you know? I, I don't know if... Like Eric Tommy was so good last year, does it mean Peter Vermees ruined him in like with training in the offseason? Or does it mean he's just he, he was getting lucky last year or he 
uh, you know, like we said, he's got the yips. and So I don't know. I, I go back and forth on that. Remember, he looked pretty good the first couple of games until that penalty situation, and then neither one of those guys have had confidence ever since. Well, and, like, I, I keep going. So I think Cam Duke playing last night is very, like, symbolic of the issue, which is that we are overly reliant on – like Graham Zusi, for instance, and overly reliant on Andre Ufantis. And we've signed these old players and they don't have adequate backups. So we knew going into the offseason that we needed center backs and we left it super late to try and get in Rosero. We have Caden Pierre to back up Zusi, but it's a night. We have one backup at right back. He's 19 and he popped a hammy. And now we're relying exclusively on, on that's the most. That's it. David's internet today. Yeah, You're setting people up. Me. Like is not. I, I have perfect bars. I have the Google. This is not on me. <laughs> you, you've been I'm, messing I'm up. I'm sitting on top kids. of the router. <laughs> I am yeah. sitting on top of the router. But I was earlier when I had a problem the, too. Maybe it's Google. Maybe they aren't developing their maybe young. It's, maybe it's their Wi Fi is well enough. <laughs> Mine's working. Great. I think it's Cody. I think it's StreamYard and Cody. Mine's working great. But it's it's either the GM for not finding adequate players to allow the coach to put out an eleven that has a true right back, you know, or it's like the coaching staff for not being able to manage minutes and do load, you know, like whatever. There's either way, it falls on Vermees. He's in charge of everything. And there's only two right backs, but when the Sporting signed a third left back, everybody went, what the hell? Why are you signing the third left back? There's no one right answer except winning. That's the only right answer. So <laughs> if you sign two right backs and you win, it's great. If you sign three left backs and you win, that's great. You do either case and you lose, then you obviously screwed up. There's no one single right answer to any of this. If, if he never played any homegrown and they were consistently winning, Sorry, guys, that sucks and that harms the future academy, but that's the way it is. There's no one single right answer. So no matter what we look at right now, it's going to be, oh, it's not good enough because it hasn't been good enough. Well, it's becoming increasingly clear that the current answers are not the right answers. What exactly would you do if if Vermees was out starting tomorrow? Oh, let's just say on Wednesday because let's get past the Tulsa game first. But what would you do? If you were the coach, what would you change with the players you have today? Because if you make a change, you got to make some. You're going to get that new coach bump, but it may not last long if you don't uh, adequately use your same players. And you have the same players that he has right now. What would you do, Robert? <laughs> oh, thanks for that. Of course, that's an incredibly difficult question because you don't have the knowledge of what you need to make those decisions from where we're sitting. Okay, but, uh, you know, first thing for me would be I would have to tweak, you know, how we play at the game. And Astute analysis there. We have to tweak how we play the game. We have Robert. to play yeah, soccer better than that. I mean, you you have right. a good soccer we, mind. You can do better than that. We no, what I mean is, like better. I said, we have to tweak the system, which is the four-three-three, and do something different because it's not working. It's not being executed. And I would need more information to make that decision. A good coach would not make that decision and make adjustments without the information you need. So let's, oh, uh, I got, go I got answers oh, and I'm not, <laughs> so I must not be a good coach. Cause I have plenty of ideas. <laughs> well, you're just well, I get ideas, but I, I need to, uh, you know, 
verify some things before I make those decisions. See, David knows how five coach David. David knows how to make content here. David, be the gas bag man. You you have your opinions. Spout them. Okay. So, the first thing we Fontes has to go. Fontes has to be done. If I'm if you put me in charge of the team on Wednesday, Fontes is training not the GM. That's the Fontes is training with the academy. Oh, I don't just sell him. He's just gonna play with the academy from now on. Um, he's going to be in a small sided game with the U-17s. It's got to be Ndenbe, Volater, Rosero, and the corpse of Graham Zussi until Caden Pierre is healthy enough to play. Um, once Caden Pierre is fit, Caden Pierre is your guy because that way you at least have a little bit of pace along the back line. Ndenbe can run, Pierre can run, Rosero can run. They can all make recovery runs because our defense is getting stretched. Fontis was, was signed because he's great at those like you know really direct incisive passes we're not capable of playing that way right now we just don't it's just not working so play more small passes to the feet of people i'd switch from a 4-3-3 to a 4-2-3-1 um which would and i would put well if Gotti comes back Gotti plays at the 10 and you've got walter and probably tommy or felipe there to kind of shuttle the ball so the back line can play directly to the two or Radoya, if he ever Radoya, sorry, yeah. <laughs> if if Radoya ever makes his way out of the funeral home, that way you have you can play directly to their feet and they're allowed to they're able to shuttle the ball forward. So instead of trying to hit big switches, instead of trying to hit long through balls, you just play more directly to the feet to be able to shuttle from the back line to the attack. You've got by dropping your two wingers from the four three three down to a four two three one, they're playing almost more like wide mids, which gives you more defensive support. But this way, you can also, as you shuttle the ball, you can push the line of attack and the line of confrontation forward more. The rest of it then on the attack is just a matter of teaching patterns of play. I mean, it's easier said than done because if it was that easy, everybody would do what Man City does. But it's so very clear from watching us play that we don't play through the middle and we love hitting crosses. And I I was watching last night, Duke got the ball in the wing in the first half and hit a cross when there was literally nobody in the box. There's nobody to hit the ball too. But instead of step, instead of stopping, Instead of looking, instead of holding up play, trying to play back to the feet of somebody else, he just keeps his head down, whips a ball in. Ben Sweat does that. Tim Leibold, everybody. This is how they're trained to play. No, We're not going to do that anymore. So everything's going to have to funnel through the middle. And if teams want to muck up the middle of the of the park, then, you know, until we get to the transfer window, this is just going to have to be what it is. And then transfer window, try to unload any dead wood that you can. Probably unlikely until the winter window when you can cut some people but look for a true 10, like a true number 10. And if they don't play defense, I don't care. Give me an Argentine who can make a pass, who can unlock a defense. Now, as far as your back line ideas, I think that's the plan. It just hasn't worked out with injuries and everything. I don't think that's anything different than what Vermees wants to do. Then as far as the formation, I've been on the 4-2-3-1 train for a long time, if you look back past in my articles. But, um, yeah, I agree with with a lot of that you said, and – that's some things that I would look at doing as well. But uh, I think part of it is the current plan. It just with the injuries hasn't worked out that way. And that's why Peter keeps saying, when we get these players back, we'll get these players back. Which is a lame excuse and, you know, tired. I just don't believe that Graham Zussi will ever not play. I just don't believe. I think anytime Peter Vermeer says, like, the plan is to get Pierre on the field, I think he's lying. Straight up. Except for the most recent match, of course. No, okay, no, I no like four two three one also, uh, and I think in the situation when the team is struggling, it's a it's a good formation to go to. I would 
if I was coaching this team, I, I like the 4-3-3. I like the 4-2-3-1. I would actually – there's the variations of the 4-3-3 that you can call the 4-2-3-1 where you basically have the double pivot back there. It's essentially the same thing with slightly different roles. So I like that. When the team is struggling defensively, I would go to that 4-2-3-1 version or the double pivot of a 4-3-3 because it, it protects your back line better. When you're on the road, that needs to probably happen more. Uh, when you're in the attack, it can be much more of a 4-3-3 or some other unbalanced version when one uh, outside back gets forward and helps unbalance that. The other one needs to stay back more. When sporting was their most successful, one one outside back would get forward a lot and one would stay back and help that defensively. Now they seem to get both of them forward to try to help the attack, and it, it hurts them defensively. Of course, it used to be Seth would always be the one stay back because he was less offensive-minded. Peter does change tactics more than a lot of people ever give him credit for, but it's it's micro-tactics, not macro-tactics. I don't know if that's a, a good phrase, but it's the, the little stuff. It's not the bigger stuff. Sometimes it needs to do, I think, a little bit bigger stuff to change that. He does it every once in a while, but not often enough in my opinion. Okay, I'm okay. sorry to our to everyone listening after Tuesday because they will know if we have won or lost. They're living in a living in a future, but uh, yeah, maybe we will. Maybe we will have to. Depending on the result, we may have to talk about the game and the state of our club after <laughs> later later here in the week. Is the game even being broadcast? No, uh, it, no. There's a late decision. I thought I thought I just saw yesterday oh. or two days ago that there that it will. There is going to be some stream. Maybe I'm dreaming that. But yeah, originally we were told there was no stream. But I was told also that to hold on and it would might come out. So maybe it has and I just missed that. Yeah. I'll be there. Cody will be there. Me too. I'll be there. Cody, you'll be working for the enemy. Yeah. I'll be doing social media for the opposing league. For Tulsa oh. Athletic? Well, for the I league. think it's the league as opposed to the team. Yeah, crossing enemy lines. Be on the they winning, pay. Be on the winning side for once. <laughs> <laughs> you win no matter what, Cody. All right, gentlemen. Longer pod today. Uh, it was rough. Our <laughs> the first attempt at the the video here on Streamyard was pretty rough, especially with your guys' bad internet. But I think we're we're gonna figure this out. We're working out the kinks. We like to take the audience along with us. So um, yeah. Any final thoughts, Thad? Do you want to say something prophetic? Lugubrious. <laughs> Sporting! Anything to shake this foot I'm in My football team's got me drinking My football team's got me drinking My football team's got me drinking